I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. Today, we will talk about another way to bring people to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus brought people to his flock by tending to their spiritual and physical needs. He fed them, cured their ailments, gave advice, told stories. There is apparently another approach, one that takes less time and effort. Just scare the hell out of them. But before that, we will talk about Jesus popping up in unlikely places. I found Jesus. What do Neo, Harry Potter, and Godzilla have in common? Presumably you mean Neo of the Matrix films and not Neo the Dancer. I don't know that there is a Neo the Dancer. That's what I figured. Okay, so what do they have in common? Why, I believe they have a similar Messiah uh, resurrection Jesus situation happening. Well, that would be exactly accurate. One of my few positive family memories look, growing up was looking through the Hidden Pictures illustration in the Highlights magazine. Do you know, have you ever seen a Highlights? I have been to a doctor's office, yes. All right, Highlights, for those of you who don't know, is a magazine for children between 6 and 12. And my mom bought me a subscription. There were lots of interesting features. There were drawings that kids turned in and cartoons that taught good behavior like Goofus and Gallant. And two pictures that had six differences. The hidden picture would have just like an illustration on one side and then it came with a key on the opposite page. It's a panel that had sketches of random things like screwdrivers, tires, scissors, the kind of things the kid would recognize. The illustration would be a picnic or kids flying a kite and hidden somewhere in it would be the screwdriver, the tire, or the scissors. Hey, if you really like these, there are iPad games that I can point you to. Jesus and his story are very much a part of our living culture. It shows up in the strangest places. Are we playing hidden pictures with Jesus? Yes, we are. This is a game. I will name a film or book to you, and you will tell me where the Jesus story is hidden in it. Let's start with a film franchise that was added to just recently, The Terminator. Okay, so you want me to tell you where in the Terminator series Jesus is? Oh, the very first one. We're taking that first one because... I haven't seen that movie in years and years and years. Well, what's the plot of the movie? Sarah Connor's going to have a baby, uh-huh. and that baby's going to be the savior of the world. Oh, right. <laughs> that sounds familiar. If we had a bell, I would ring it. <laughs> now that I... I was thinking end-of-the-life stuff. Right. I wasn't thinking beginning-of-life stuff. So, Sarah Connor is just an ordinary woman. Oh, yes. Who doesn't happen to be pregnant. No, and that's right. <laughs> is visited by a man who comes from the future, well, from somewhere else, who tells her that she's going to have a baby, who strangely will have the initials J.C. That's right. That baby will save the world from evil. Well, not from evil, from machines. Well, evil machines. However, Mm -hmm. there are forces out to kill that baby before it reaches its its full powers. Or any powers at all. Exactly. (laughs) In this case, killing her. Now, the story of uh, the Terminator was borrowed from an episode of Outer Limits written by Harlan Ellison. And he very, the idea, the basic idea. Right. And he very successfully sued them for an undisclosed sum because 
the uh, basic idea of going back in the going past. back and mm-hmm. stopping a, a a birth a birth. Okay. However, James Cameron's version really leans into the messianic, apocalyptic version of the story. Right. Uh, if you don't believe me, look at the way the scene with Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton, where he tells her that she's going to give birth to the Savior, is photographed. Okay. It's staged to look like one of the Annunciation pictures. Oh, interesting. And it's done very deliberately. So can you think of any other examples from what we mentioned? Well, we've named a few, and we're going to do mm-hmm. this. Right. Fairly frequently, I guess. Yes. We're going to talk about where Jesus Has is. snuck into our culture like a hidden picture. <laughs> we should call a segment <laughs> Sneaky Jesus. Sneaky Jesus. <laughs> right. On Jesus. his tiptoes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see uh, a Jesus parable, watch Terminator. If, the first one. <laughs> be, be aware of violence. I don't want to recommend <laughs> I don't want somebody going, oh my God, there was so much killing and some sex in that movie. Well, yeah, because there was no Hint. baby yet. <laughs> um, well, they didn't have another explanation from where the baby comes from, so the man from the future actually impregnates Linda Hamilton. Spoiler this is alert. Not part of the Bible story. However, mm. <laughs> behave. That was, it was to me, watching it the first time, I was thinking, huh, <laughs> that's really familiar. Where have I heard this before? And every uh, iteration of the. Terminator saga since then has had kind of an element of, of that. that. Although they, the most recent one, and we're not going to go into spoilers mm-hmm. because it is very new, eschews that a bit. A bit, but still sticks to it in a very different way, and we will discuss it maybe in the future when it's not very new. When it's new. not very new, However, yeah. hint, the character coming back to save them is named Grace. That's true. So They yes. were a little heavy-handed with that. Yes. A little bit. All right. Now Have for we something... found Jesus? What's that? We found Jesus. We found Jesus. Found him. We're going to keep looking. Spotlight on him. (laughs) And he freezes. Now for something completely different. It's an old approach. Warn people about the dangers of hell, the everlasting torment, the ghoulish monsters that prod and poke, and people will run terrified into the arms of Jesus. A few weeks ago, we saw a film, A Thief in the Night. You loved it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I couldn't speak more it, highly of it. You gave it four stars out of 50 potential stars. That's right. That's, I, that was generous, and I'm rethinking it now as we sit here. It was an evangelical film that used horror movie tactics to persuade the convert. This is part of a small group of evangelical films usually catered to churches like roadshow attractions, going from church to church or filling local second-run theaters and giving out special tickets. That's the way it used to be done when I was a kid. Recently, I read about the Hell House phenomena, where children go through haunted houses with attractions in each room, only these depict the horrors of drug addiction, abortion, and secular chiral rearing. Okay, before you go too far into it, it's not typically children that mm-hmm. are going through these things. It's aimed typically at teens. Okay. Can I give mm-hmm. some history? So, these started in the 70s with Falwell. Oh. We know him. Everything goes back to Falwell, it looks like. Uh, but they picked up a lot of steam in the uh, aughts, the 2000s, the 90s and the 2000s, uh, with one particular church's 
haunted house gaining national attention when six months after the Columbine shooting, they portrayed the Columbine oh, shooting. No. Yeah. Oh. So that's Trinity Church Hell House became uh, extraordinarily notorious in 1999. So and what was the purpose of recreating the school shooting? How was that supposed to help people convert? Here's the thing that I want to get into with Hell Houses, mm-hmm. because this is what I don't, I fundamentally don't understand. Maybe I can help. About the Hell House phenomenon. And you've ne- neither of us have ever been to Hell Houses. These are primarily uh, found in the Midwest. Okay. And we are not. We are liberal elites on the co- liberal coastal elites. <laughs> so... <laughs> We don't have hell houses on every corner. This is from a Vice article, uh, which we'll link in our show notes, uh, where uh, someone who uh, identifies as an ex-evangelical, okay, which would be a ex-evangelical, uh, is going through one of these hell houses, and they uh, tell what they see. And so there's a couple of items that I want to describe and get your take on. Okay. One is, we were led to a domestic living room where a young girl named Jessica complained of recently being dumped. She hoped to find new romance after downloading the Tinder app. Things quickly turned violent once her date arrived, and Jessica soon found herself a prisoner of a sex trafficking wing. A demon who had been lurking in the background the whole time subtly orchestrating the kidnapping laughed sinisterly, saying all Jessica wanted It was a fun night with nice guy. Now she'll be having fun with a lot of guys for a long time. What? What, as an observer, am I meant to take from this? If you use Tinder or want to date, you're definitely going to be sex trafficked? Is is that actually what the makers of this thing want me to believe? In a word, yes. Now... Is that what the makers of this thing actually believe? Or is that just what they want me as a teenager who doesn't know that the people who are orchestrating this are, you know, trying to brainwash me? Are they, do, do the people who make this really believe this? Or are they really just trying to manipulate people? This is my fundamental question. What I have more of an issue with even than that is what the demon says. She was trying to have fun with one person, and now she's going to have fun, by which he's describing her being repeatedly sexually assaulted. Yes. As Mm -hmm. fun Mm -hmm. with a lot of people. Presuming that they believe that any sex outside right. of so, uh, that, that God graced sex is I don't know what God graced sex sexual is sexual assault. I think if you're enjoying it and it's consensual, I don't know that like, they believe sure in consensual sex and enjoyment in sex. Um, that's well, okay. So let's go back on that one. Okay, then uh, I I have uh-huh. another I have yeah. another one one more because right. this is the one where I was like. I legitimately don't even understand what the fundamental message of this is. Uh, he talks about they entered the abortion scene, and there's always an abortion scene. Always an abortion scene. So it was during this scene that I saw a demon coerce a mother to force her young daughter to get an abortion that she clearly did not want. The mother kept saying, This baby is going to ruin your life. 
As the doctor was performing the girl's operation, a nearby demon wryly explained, this woman honestly believes she's providing a service all because of women's rights. My body, my choice. Well, actually, it's my choice. Now give me that little morsel in your tummy. So that's disgusting. So we're seeing someone being coerced into abortion mm-hmm. and everybody like who what 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 is the who are they targeting this to they're targeting young people and this is not very different from thief in the night years and years and years ago Oh, and I have one more, but yeah, okay. No, please, go one more. Go on. And the last, the next scene we see, and this one is the one where I was just like, okay, I'm out. I was pretty far yeah. out to begin yes, with, well. to be fair. In the next scene, we saw a girl who was sexually abused by her father, who went on to kill her mother. I presume that that means the father killed her, the girl's mother, not that the girl killed the girl's mother, but yeah, that's that a poorly sense. written sentence. Later, that same girl was tormented by two demons who filled her with shame for being abused and said the only answer was to kill herself. Weeping and screaming, the girl complied, slitting her wrists with a razor blade. This girl has been abused by the people who are supposed to protect her and then apparently is driven by demons to commit suicide. What am I supposed to take from that? I just, I legitimately, I don't understand. I I do want to know if Mm -hmm. the people who are designing these and acting in them believe anything about what they're trying to communicate. I think what they have done is created a worst case scenario. All of the situations described could possibly happen, right? You could possibly, well, aside, let's take the demons out of it. Because okay, that's thank you. Issue. I'm like, I'm going to need us to um, come and, and we'll, out we'll, of we'll, the metaphysical right, for a little okay. bit. All the things you described, you could have a mother convincing her daughter to have an abortion. You could have... The likelihood Well, I mean... I, but yes, yes, To continue. Yes. Okay. You could have a girl go on Tinder and wind up being part of a sex traffic sure. ring. You, any of those things could happen, but again, it's choosing the most extreme thing to terrify people with. But it's, what am I supposed very to much learn? Like saying, it could very possibly be that there are people who come from south of the border who want to kill you. <laughs> that is incredibly unlikely to happen. However, preying on that fear is what gets people motivated to make these re- decisions they otherwise would not make. So by giving, them, I still right. don't understand what I'm to take from it. Okay, what other than no tender. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I take from the the girl being forced by other people to do something that she doesn't want to do. The whole point of, especially uh-huh. knowing that the point of the pro-choice movement is it's legitimately your choice. Nobody's right. coercing yeah. girls. If anyone is coercing young girls into having abortions against their will, they are criminals and should go to jail. But I don't understand what this tableau is supposed to teach me what about how to live not, my life you have going to think forward. about the fact that you're too old you're not the target group for this of course obviously. that's part of the so that's problem one of the things what fundamentalism does is it it creates a situation where you're constantly listening to your elders for advice it, the, the idea of taking away the uh, a dating app or 
making it seem like it's a gateway to horrors. Okay. I mean, just like, you know, the internet could be seen as a gateway to horrors. The three targets that you've discussed here were women's rights. Yes. Were um, any kind of independence or choice in choosing who you want to see. Now, oh, you're subjected to, and again, what really disturbed me is the fun uh, with lots of people. Yeah. Yes. And, um, God, I was, I thought there was three, but it's like, I'm, they all basically boil down to the same thing, which is taking away your will to make decisions independently or to be independent at all. Just listen to what your elders are saying. Do what you're told. And that seems to be... But what what if your elders are your dad who's sexually abusing you? Where do I, where does that, what am I supposed to take away from that that one? Teenagers are prone to imitate even bad ideas that you give them. The notion that you would show somebody cutting their wrist to me is incredibly disturbing. Yeah, no, it's yeah. And the insertion of the demons into the story the, the is idea... very much like the Jack Chick books that we were yes, reading. Yes, it it does feel like that. But also, every room like... is swarming with invisible creatures who are constantly prodding you to do things you don't want to do. But if you are an abused person mm-hmm. who has legitimate psychological needs. And possibly even schizophrenia because mm-hmm. of what you've been through. Right. You could possibly be hearing voices. Right. They're not, y'all, they're not demons. They're not literal demons. Let me be, because a lot of times that is how that they are portrayed. Mm-hmm. That's not what, they're not well, literal they, demons. They did not the term metaphorical demon from a lot of times. Right? Yes, which, which I think is a perfectly accurate metaphor. Mm-hmm. They are not Satan's minions come up from hell to whisper in your ear. Right. That's not what's happening. I promise. How about that? I promise. Right. That's not what it is. There was another one from a different, and this is a diff, This is the not about abused women, uh-huh. which is what the rest of the ones that I uh, discussed were. Um, and this is how it, how this piece starts. There were angry, angry Trump supporters shouting to our left and enraged Black Lives Matters protesters on our right. So this is off to a great start. A snide demon slithered from one side to the other, proudly exclaiming, Welcome to my world where anyone different from you is a threat, where evil grows and hatred runs deep. It's one of my oldest and most successful tactics. Smiling through ominous goth makeup, the demon whispered in the ears of each protester, planting racist slurs and stirring up divisions. The verbal combat was punctuated by the sound of an exploding handgun fired by a Trump supporter into the chest of a BLM activist. I will say I am shocked it wasn't the other way around. Who collapsed to the ground dead. You cannot escape my hate, the demon roared. Now get out, and then you're sort of chased into the next room. Now, that's just a... Right. That's a both sides... Well, this is kind of the... Fallacy issue, right? right? The both sides have an equal argument and they don't. Right. One is about literally saving the lives of yourself and your family. Well, one is the dehumanization of the other. Right. That's... That's (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, the, this I, I think that we I, you raised a bunch of very interesting issues, and we'll discuss the demon thing at one point in the future. So because you, it's, 
it's very clear that at times when Jesus is going around curing people, when it's mentioned in the New Testament, it says this person was possessed by devils and this person was mad. It makes a difference. Or this person has seizures. Interesting. So even they had a distinction between Yeah, those. between what was uh, right. external evil forces what was extra and what was versus internal right. people who had issues. But I, I really feel that the people who are in this construct are brought up in this very kind of closed room where a very small closed dark room where you're basically told what to do all the time and what your roles are. And all of these dramas are also about people who are not filling their roles, especially right. for women. It's interesting how many of these that you've read were actually focused on About women, women yeah, yeah. And women's choices to do things or what they're actually allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. So yeah, any I do. independence at all is seen as wrong. Any kind of right, like the man is supposed to be what the the king of the household, the head, the, of the, the head household. of the household, the head of the what Saint Paul did. Now, mind you, Saint Paul is. We'll discuss it another point. We'll have to because he's incredibly problematic. He was discussing. He was the one who brought in the issues with homosexuality, okay, which did not exist. Jesus never said a word cool, about cool, it. Cool. He was the one who brought in the issues about. Uh, a man being the head of the household as God is the head of the church, mm-hmm. uh, or as Christ is the head of the church. Okay. So he made a lot of those distinctions. Mind you, he apparently was a lifelong bachelor, so I don't know where he got these opinions from. But um, when we, anything that challenges that is wrong. I remember watching a program, there was a wife swapping program a long time ago. I don't think there's any such thing anymore. I mean, there are celebrity wife swapping. I think there's only the celebrity version of it. But what it was, it wasn't, uh, you know, a wife It's not a sexual thing that the two... It's not a tea party, no. I grew up in the 70s. The two matriarchs of uh, of households would trade places to see how other types of families lived. And that episode... But they did call it wife swap, like... Right. Because it's reality TV. Like you're watching the ice storm. Yes. Um, So... In that program, they did an interesting switch between a very liberal Christian uh, minister and a very even strict evangelical Christian minister, and they switched wives. And when the liberal wife started questioning the policies of their her, you know, week long husband, who was very strict and very traditional. Yeah. Um, as it's called, I'm not, not sure what tradition this follows. Right. But it's But that is what, quote, right. traditional family values means. When this woman began to talk to her daughters about their insecurities and their feelings growing up with this very strict dad, the dad literally grabbed his daughters, put them in his car, and drove them away to a hotel for the remainder of... Because they couldn't be... They were going to be infected to his mind. And the producers of the program are standing out in the driveway of this hotel speaking to him, He's telling them that he doesn't want this kind of mindset to affect his children. It was a who really... are no doubt homeschooled and not vaccinated. I'm not. I don't know about the other two, but I really felt sorry for them because they were very confused by being introduced to the idea that they had the ability to make a choice. They just didn't even. They didn't. Right. Okay, so we're talking about an audience who has already been indoctrinated into... This is reinforcing their ideas. Okay. They, yeah. So so if they get the idea to pick up that phone and go, mm-hmm. go on that app, this is really shutting right. this down in the most extreme and way. And as I said, there is a one in a hundred chance like that, something like that could happen. And I mean, that's exactly what they're praying a on. a smaller percentage than that, but right. yes. But do you see what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you could. And that's the sort of nonsense that get you know the fear of something 
I still don't understand the mm-hmm. sexually abused daughter. That doesn't make any sense to me. I remember a sermon preached at my home church when I was a teenager. They were mostly improvised sermons because evangelical ministers just start talking and telling stories and whatever. And Like the Spirit moves them. Right, and they like fall the Spirit down. moves. <laughs> I wish they would fall down more often. Uh, including the anecdote to illustrate a point about the perils of secular life. There was a young man who went away from home to college and he fell in with a less religious crowd than he had at home. So now he was not going to church every week, He was, right. which is the first step to something wrong. Right, of course. And without supervision from the church and his parents, he began to do things he wouldn't have normally done. So he had a girlfriend, and he moved in with her. And <gasps> this is, you know, they're having sexual intercourse. And one night he wakes up from a nightmare, a warning about God, about his possible eternal damnation. And he wakes up to find that his young lover beside him was possessed by a hideous demon, that her eyes had shrunk to pinpoints, that her tongue was flickering out like a snake. Wait. And she began speaking terrible blasphemies. And he had to run from the house because obviously God was warning him about the evils of these the secular crowd that he was hanging out with. This is a thing that a real pastor told you in it was a, a church. Minister. It wasn't a pastor. It was I'm a, sorry, one of a real ministers. minister uh-huh. said had actually happened? Yes, and that the young man had to run to a church and repent. And of course it's like any urban legend... And then I knew a guy who was in the church. I knew one of the deacons from the church where this happened. Yeah, right. My third cousin, twice removed. And so the story was meant to show the evils of premarital sex. And like all those stories, it illustrated it by using the most horrific images. I mean, that is a horror movie image. You wake up and the partner next to you suddenly is not the partner that you expected them to be. And they're hideous and they're drooling. Right. Right. So it also furthered this association between sex and evil. Of course, yeah. But it also did other things, to my mind. It associated it with secular friends. Right. It associated evil with going to college. Oh, interesting. So yeah. what you were doing was keeping people in a box where they were uneducated, mm-hmm. where they didn't have the exposure to other ideas, mm-hmm. where they couldn't even find any affection from someone when they're far away from home and have no other people to lean on. Right. It was as if the specific purpose of this, and it sounded like the purpose of the Hell House that you mentioned, is to keep people from making their own choices or becoming adults. Right. At least free-thinking adults. Right. And so what that does is it prepares them for the kind of nonsense that we see now, where they're looking for, I believe that Trump supporters, in a way, are looking for this sort of doddering father figure, authoritarian father figure, because that's what they're used to. Right. It prepares them for authoritarian father figures. Right, right, which is actually uh, one of the... There have been studies done on liberal versus conservative... Um, what you think the government should be. Right. And conservatives, by and large, think the government should be a stern father figure. Uh-huh. Paternalistic. Yeah. And that is not what liberal... And that's not... And, and that's a lot of times how they, they govern their households and how they right. presume structure of society should be. So Yeah, the, and, and that's kind of the issue is you do right, good things will happen, you do wrong, you're punished. And it's also the language of exceptionalism. But I ask again, and maybe there's no way to actually know this, because my sense is that the true sort of leaders and minds in 
at the heads of these things are Kabbalistic in some point, mm -hmm. in, in some way, in that they are secretive in their actual aims and goals. Right. I cannot imagine that people who have gotten to the leadership positions of powerful groups believe the things that they're trying to get other people to believe. I don't know whether or not these people do. I'm puzzled by it myself. My sense is that, may, well, maybe it's a 50-50 split. Because right. after some of the things we just heard, mm -hmm. literally right before we started recording this, about maybe the mindset of a certain uh, commander-in-chief, perhaps it is possible yeah. to get to certain don't levels speak of power <laughs> without actual understanding of the world uh, and deep um, sort of like understanding, deep right. understanding of anything, anything, of anything. So it is possible, I, I mean, with money and privilege, I guess you could just bloop, float up right to you the top. You don't have to do a great deal of independent thinking. I mean, you can accept pre-digested wisdom or so-called and take it with you under your arm and get the respect of a lot of people because they'll agree with what you say. Well, yeah, and if you're self-siloing to the point of not speaking to anyone yeah. that has a different belief than you... Well, if you have, they have a different belief than you, it's fake news. That's what it amounts to, is that I don't have to listen to you because what you're saying isn't true. And so everything that disagrees with this frame of reference, I found it, and I was discussing this with you, finding a, a story by Flannery O'Connor. Yeah. It was written many years ago that explained the exact same situation that we're living in. People who are terrified of immigrants after the Second World War coming over and taking over a farm in the Deep South, and they're going to displace us. They're going to put us out mm -hmm. of our way. Oh, they're causing social disruptions. Mm -hmm. In the case of this, this was a very wealthy uh, white woman who owned a farm that was left by her husband, and oh, they're, they're, they're disrupting the relationship that we have with our Negro servants. You can't do that. It's going to it's going to cause unrest, and right. so eventually, and quite horrifically, the story ends with her um, killing him, killing staging him. an accident for this Polish immigrant who had oh, come the, to her the farm. The Polish immigrant, okay. Uh, that was causing the disruption, and there's a one scene in the story where she just yells at him, "You're extra," you know. You know, I have to support all the people here. I'm responsible for everything, and you've just caused extra problems, extra, extra. And she keeps yelling mm -hmm. that at him. And that attitude has not changed much. No. The notion that there's some people who are entitled to be in power. And in this case, as we're looking at these hell houses, it's the same sort of ex uh, extension of evangelical, the fundamentalist evangelical thinking, which is the person who's in charge of the home has to be the, the father and he has to make these decisions. Um, and boys are brought up in this sort of attitude. Naturally, a lot of it would go towards the uh, sort of criminalizing or associating with sin, women's behavior. And men are given more of a leeway. Because as you've seen, like the father in that sketch, I'm very curious as to what happened to him. Where's the father who abused the daughter? Right. Yeah, I just don't... I, and where, where, what, where is she supposed to go? And even in the story that I told you, uh, the woman is associated with this sort of weird, evil sexuality that has tempted this young man away from going to church. 
So I, yeah. yeah, a lot of it is can be laid at, uh, or rather, can be described as just plain misogyny. Yeah, I just I, that that one with the with the abused young lady. I just I don't I don't understand what I'm supposed to get from that. But you're supposed well, your takeaway is, at all. Yeah, nothing. because she she didn't do anything mm. wrong. She was just born no, to an evil victim. man, right? And then she's taunted for it until she kills her. Well, like it's just there's a, there's the other thing that I would like to address too, by constantly referring to these demonic presences that are kind of like teasing people into doing what what people like or what they rather people do things that are against their best interests. In the spiritual oh, gotcha, sense, yeah, yeah. That um. That it's, again, taking the responsibility away from you, the person. Right. I was affected by things out of my control, and you can always blame it on that. Like, well, I didn't mean to. This is what happened. I was led away by Satan, that kind of thing. Right, but it also keeps people from seeking psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's funny, because I, I, I don't know how that works in terms of in terms of people who claim to be visited by spirits, uh, I that's probably a different. We should probably have a whole. Yeah, I think that's there. separate. But I mean, if if you've got, please, if you hear voices telling you to kill yourself, well, yes, anytime ask you hear voices telling you, get get all the help you can, and um, any help you mm, want to seek out. It's fine. If you want to, if you think that it's an evil thing, go to your church leaders. That's fine. But seek help. Right. It's not your fault. No. And don't listen to them. (laughs) Don't listen to voices. It's it's a horrific thing to to show to Mm. kids who you've already scared the Jesus out of. Right. And this is not the way, again, we don't see Jesus doing this. Jesus is not going around. Um, he's often referred to as an apocalyptic preacher, but I don't think that's fair because so much of what he did was just about how people should live their daily lives. Right. And that's really what he laid emphasis on, which is, this is what it's like. Everyone's going to be very happy finding the kingdom of heaven. It's a place full of joy, and everyone can be a part of it. Look, you can be a part of it too. That's what he's saying. Not, there's horrible things that will happen if you don't make this choice. Right. And and sometimes just... There's supernatural warfare, mm-hmm. and some people are just the victims of Satan's soldiers. Right, and which is a terrible thing to tell people. It's a, that's well. In other words, again, you're powerless, and then what's the point then? It right, just exactly. Sort of becomes very aimless, and there's a. I remember a reading one of Saint Paul's discussions about this, which is that well, there are vessels made to be dishonored, and that was one that the reason why I never could take. He's obviously a brilliant thinker, but I can't take everything that he says seriously. Because then that just implies that God has the right to make anyone an object to be destroyed. Right. Because right. he's God. And he's and we can't question him. It's like, no, that's not really what this is all about. Right. So the end of this hell house, mm-hmm. after, uh, he says, after our senses have been pulverized, we're led into a brightly lit room mm-hmm. where an earnest young man uh, explained that there was only one person who could help us avoid the traps of sin and the torture of hell that we saw, and his name was Jesus. Although I still don't understand how Jesus helps that poor girl 
who was an abuse victim. Like, I, I still don't understand how, if only she'd well, what asked she, there's Jesus nothing that to, she could like, have done. No, it's, right. it's wild to me. Because I feel like if you have an aim, there are ways to do this mm-hmm. that wouldn't be so egregiously disgusting. Right. But I feel like they've leaned into egregiously well, disgusting. Look at, look at the film that you saw. And, and it doesn't, a, it, the, the internal uh, logic doesn't hold the together. The film that you it's saw like a was bad an early story. example of all of this happening. Right. Which is, she's going to be stamped with the mark of the beast, so she has to run mm-hmm. away. And then at the very end, what happens? She wakes up and finds that that same nightmare that she's been through is just starting all over again. So there was no chance for her at all. She didn't have a chance to escape. She didn't have a chance to repent. It's all going to happen all over again. And maybe it's a nightmare, but she'll wake up inside the nightmare again. So did that woman have any choice? Could she make any decisions? No, she couldn't. All of her free will is robbed. And that's the kind of position they want you to be in. Look, if you get stuck in this problem, there is no way out for you. And But it, it becomes, they become mm-hmm. the monster that they're warning against. Well, also think about it this way. The elements of the Protestant Church that have become evangelicalism, right? The difference between them and the High Church, or the you know the Orthodox, the the Catholic, the uh, Episcopalian, the Anglican, the ones that we read about, those groups in the High Church all believe in either a hell that is not permanent. A hell, or rather purgatory, there's another example, where you can commit penance after you're dead. It is only the evangelicals who do not believe that there's another step, even if you lose in this life. They believe that hell is forever and ever and ever oh, and right. ever, and yes. there's no changing that. Right. It's eternal torment forever, and you don't get a second chance, whereas the other churches, including, this goes back to, originally, back to the, the New Testament church, believed there were other things. They offered prayers for the dead. Right. They believed that there was other chances that a you could A purgatory do. situation right. or a... So that... So that... So that the afterlife was more like um, the Scandinavian prison system than the American prison system. We will give you a nice place to hang out. We're going to teach you some things. You're going to get better. Then you're going to go live a productive afterlife. Versus... We're putting you in prison forever. You're going to get raped until you're a bloody mess. Until you start raping other people. And then you're going to die in there alone. In fact, I think that attitude towards the afterlife might have influenced, or what punishment is, influenced the way that we address our prisoners. You may be very right about that. That's, because it yeah. was built by us. Right. It was built right. by no, that we sort did of it. attitude. It, it's, not, right. it's not just... It didn't happen all of a sudden, like, oh, there it goes. Yeah. I guess there's nothing we can do about and, it. And, yeah. you know, in Scandinavia, yeah, even though even the worst, the world. they are treated like human beings, uh-huh. and they are put in rehabilitative mm-hmm. positions, that's, even if they never get out. They still are treated like... Human beings, Part of which that we do not do. What you're describing is the fact that they believe in rehabilitation, and we say we do. Yeah, but we don't treat. We don't because people. we still treat people of color differently. Mm-hmm. We treat them as if they can't. It's in, they're incapable. Well, of. you were never a person in right. the first place, so you're never going to get to be a person in jail. Right. I mean, that's the you never amount to something different. Right. No. Which, for everybody listening, 
I am taking the point of view of an evil person, not the point of view that I have. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook. You can just search for Without Works Podcast. All that information is also on the website, so you should go there and have a look around. I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to get out there and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun.